0: You know, when the governor speaks, it's very important. And when the president speaks, it's equally important. But I want to tell you something. When God speaks, it's more important. Do you really believe? I said, do you really believe? I want to share with you in just a few moments a message God's placed on my heart the last day or two, why I believe. Why I believe. Do you really believe? It's been said, you can believe in soap and die dirty. A lot of people say they believe in God, but really do you believe? The word believe is the word "pistuo." It means to repent and receive Jesus Christ. Do you really, really believe? Well, speaking of believe, I'm glad that God will take a nobody. He'll make them somebody. He'll save anybody. That's why I want to tell everybody, everybody about Jesus. And by the way, speaking of that, And speaking of uh, being prepared to meet God, why I believe, uh, the other day I woke up and my back was hurting and I thought it was a full muscle. Well, I went to the doctor and all of a sudden I noticed these red bumps begin to break out on my stomach and my back from here all the way to my backbone. And the doctor said, you've got a good old-fashioned case of shingles. I said, what, doc? He said, yep, that's what you got. I know you're saying, do you want a cookie, Pastor? No, I'll take a pack of them if you're, if you're giving them out, all right? But speaking of shingles, did you hear about old Bubba? He went to the doctor. And uh, Bubba uh, went to the receptionist and said, uh, they said, what's the problem? He said, I got shingles. They said, well, go down to this room right here and the doctor will be in shortly. But first the nurse is going to be taking your vital signs. He said, all right. The nurse went in, took his vital signs, blood pressure, temperature, and all of his vital signs. And uh, five minutes later, the doctor came in. doctor said to old Bubba, said, what's the problem, Bubba? He said, got shingles. And the doctor said, where are they? He said, Bubba said, on the back of my truck, all right. He kind of misunderstood. But on a more serious note, yesterday I was out uh, in the parking lot talking on the telephone with our men. And about that time, a car drove up, and I didn't recognize the person at first until they rolled the window down. Keep in mind, I'm keeping my social distance, all right? And as the window was rolled down, I recognized the person who was driving. It was Sandy Cobb. Sandy said, I've just finished my latest chemotherapy treatment today. Sandy's been diagnosed with lung cancer. And she told me this, as uh, she said, I'll be finished with my radiation treatments on Monday. But I've got a few more treatments, or at least I've got to go till April, the end of April, before my chemo is going to be finished. Well, I said, let's pray together and trust the Lord. We prayed right there in the parking lot. Why? I believe. Do you really believe? I believe there's some of you today that are tuning in that have needs, and I want to point you to the Lord Jesus, the greatest uh, gift of all. Turn in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20, why I believe. Here in the gospel of John chapter 20, the Lord led me to this passage, uh, and you're very familiar with the passage. Follow along with me now. I'm going to have, I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, so I've got a lot to share with you. Stay tuned in and invite somebody else to tune in because God is at work, and we praise the Lord for His goodness. John chapter 20, and we're looking at the subject of why I believe. And I believe there's two reasons that you and I, listen now, that you and I need to repent and rejoice this Resurrection Sunday. That's right. Repent. That means a change of heart, metanoia. A turning from and a turning to. And not only repent, but rejoice this Resurrection Sunday. In John's Gospel, John's writing, the evangelist, notice chapter 20. And we begin reading in verse number 24. And Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus had already been raised from the dead. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. I like that. And then he said unto them, Except I see, Thomas, except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's why I've entitled the message, Why I Believe. Keep reading. Verse 26. And after eight days, again his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Yes, and then came Jesus. And the doors being shut, he stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Isn't that a good word for today? Some of us are troubled today. Some of us are hurting today. Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing." Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. What an affirmation. And then Jesus said unto him, verse 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, and thou hast believed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. This is the word of God. May God bless our hearts today as we think for a few moments on the subject why I believe. Can I give you three unmistakable That is three overwhelming evidences why I believe. Number one, why do do I believe? One, because of the archaeological evidences. Why do I believe God? Because of the prophetic accuracies. Number two. Number three, because of the credible witnesses. And then I want to share with you the second part of the message is why I believe and why you and I need to receive. That's right. Not only believe, but receive. Number one, why do I believe? Why do I believe in the God of the Bible? Well, I don't have to tell you the archaeological evidences are overwhelming. The hidden artifacts in the sands of time cooperate. I didn't say prove the Bible, but rather they come alongside of the Bible. Oh, yes, you take, for example, one of the greatest, most famous discoveries in the 20th century, which was the Dead Sea Scrolls. Amazing, to say the least, how uh, these scrolls and these manuscripts were kept. And God kept them. By the way, do you know how they were discovered? There were two Bedouins, or shepherd boys, walking along. I happened to be there at that place called Qumran, and there are caves in Qumran. And one of the shepherd boys reached down, uh, so we're told, threw a rock in the cave and heard a crack. Lo and behold, he found a piece of pottery. In that pottery were these scrolls, many of them dating way back to the first century, and for example, the whole book of Isaiah. Oh, yes, I don't have to tell you, and I, don't take, I won't take time to tell you about the archaeological discoveries of Pontius Pilate, a man who tried to wash his hands lily-white, but to no avail. I don't have to tell you about the archaeological discoveries and even the historical evidences of a man named Jesus Christ, who even Josephus, who was not a believer but an historian, acknowledged and verified there was a man during that time. The archeological evidences are there. Why do I believe? Not only because the archeological evidences, but what about the prophetic accuracies? I want to tell you today, there's no book like the Bible book. There's no other book, Quran, Pearl of a Great Price, you name it, like the Bible. The Bible claims 100% accuracy of prophetic uh, futuristic fulfillments. You just hold on for a moment. Now, the other day I heard that Bill Gates had predicted we'd be facing times like we are. And um, while that may be true, if you check it out, most people who claimed that they knew that we were going to have some kind of calamity, they might get it right every once in a while, but often if you see and check them out, they do not get it right 100% of the time. And therefore may I suggest to you and submit to you that a prophet of God is measured, according to Deuteronomy 18, by 100 percent accuracy. not 99, not 90, not 80, not 85, not 75, 100 percent accuracy. Have you ever seen a book like this? Why do I believe the prophetic accuracy? If I had time i 'd tell you about abraham 's prophecy in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13 concerning the bondage of the uh, Israelites in Egypt. If I had time i 'd tell you about jeremiah twenty five eleven how Jeremiah pinpointed seventy years of captivity would be the result of israel 's disobedience and thus fulfilled. You take the year, whether it be 586 B.C. or 516, all the way to 516 B.C. or any other date, based on the Jewish calendar, it's been fulfilled exactly like God said. How did he know it? Well, I'll tell you what. You just take the first coming of our Lord Jesus, for example. Why I believe... Isaiah 700 years before the Lord was born said, Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a child and call his name Emmanuel. That's in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. How did Isaiah know that 700 years before it would happen? I'll tell you why I believe. God is a mighty God who reveals his will and it comes to pass. Well, did it come to pass? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 through 23, Matthew says, Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a child. By the way, that word virgin, I looked it up one time. In the Hebrew, Bethula is the word, and the Greek translation from Hebrew to Septuagint in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the word Parthenos, which means this. A woman who'd never known a man oh let god be true and every man a liar why do i believe it was fulfilled just like god said oh yes what about the birthplace of our lord micah pinpoints it 500 years before it ever happened he said the place that jesus would be born would be bethlehem ethrata now keep in mind mary and joseph were at a place uh, there in Nazareth, when Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed, and they could have gone six miles north to another Bethlehem called Bethlehem-Galilee, but to fulfill the word of God, they traveled 85 miles south until they got to the place called Bethlehem-Ephratah. Wow! And that was fulfilled by the way mentioned in Micah 5 too and yet fulfilled in Matthew's Gospel chapter 2 and verse 1, Jesus born in Bethlehem. I want to tell you about our Lord and the prophecies, the prophetic accuracies concerning our Lord. Hey, did you know his birth is marked with poverty and his life is marked with hostility and his death is marked with agony. But his resurrection is marked with victory and yes, his second coming is going to be marked with glory. You see, not only did the Prophets of old pinpoint when Christ would be born and where it would be born, but they indeed prophesied the death of our Lord. If you read Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah again said, Who hath believed thy report? Whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up out of a ten, out of, like a tender plant out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness, and there's no beauty that we should desire of him. He is despised and rejected a man a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Listen, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way." And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. However, if you skip down to verse 12, you'd find this. He was numbered with the transgressors. Now, wait a minute. Prophecy fulfilled. How in the world did Isaiah know he'd be numbered with the transgressors? I'll tell you, in the book of Luke, chapter 23, Luke, the historian, and, oh yes, the historian and the physician Luke says that Jesus Christ was crucified between two malefactors, thieves, one on one side and one on the other. By the way, let me take a moment to tell you, the one on one side said, if you be the Christ, come down from the cross. And the other said, no, this man's done nothing amiss. Remember me. And Jesus said today to the thief that put his faith in God, today you shall be with me in paradise. One died and went out in eternity lost. To a place called the Lake of Fire, or will eventually. And yet, one believed. Have you put your faith in God' prophecy, prophetic accuracy? Oh, yes. What about the resurrection? Did you know our Lord said this? He said, "He said, destroy this temple, and three days I'll raise it up again." The disciples were oblivious. What he meant? What did he mean? How could he say that? I'm telling you 100% accuracy. That's in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 17. He also said, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. He said, destroy this temple again. I'll raise it up in three days. Wait a minute. I got a call not long ago. Well, it was actually a little while ago. And somebody told me, said, Pastor, this bothers me. I'm trying to figure it up. Let's see, if, if we celebrate Friday, Good Friday, that means Jesus was crucified on Friday, and, and he wouldn't have been in the grave Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. He came forth from the grave Sunday night, did he not? I'm having problems with that. Well, here's the solution to the problem. In the Jewish custom at that particular time, it's my personal belief based on historical writings the Passover was on Wednesday, and uh, Jesus went through the mock trial. On Thursday, he was crucified. And, uh, and therefore, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, three nights, and then that would have been three days or three mornings in the grave. That would have been Friday morning, Saturday morning. And on the third day, he came up from the grave. I'm telling you, God's word is accurate. Well, what about not only his glorious resurrection, but what about his second coming? Do you know that Jesus predicted he's coming again? And you and I had better believe. Why believe? You know why? Why? If all these prophecies had been fulfilled, just like God said, you rest assured the future is in God's hands. That gives me great comfort, assurance, and blessed assurance as it were, because God is in control. You know the mathematical probabilities of the first coming of the Lord, 333 predictions. It would be equivalent, mathematically speaking, to someone flying in an airplane 397 million miles, I believe it is, close to it, a vast ocean. What would it be like if somebody had a ring and they dropped the ring from the airplane and then got in a boat and drove around in all that vast 300 million miles of ocean? What would it be like if that person, one try, drops a hook down in the water and tries to hook that ring with one try, what are the chances they're gonna find that ring? Slim to none. The same mathematical probabilities of God's word being fulfilled. Oh, I'm telling you, why I believe? Why I believe? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, verse 36, concerning his second coming. He's coming again. There's no doubt about it. We can see things happening in our world that are certainly precursors, pointing to stage setters, as it were, that Jesus is coming again. And I hope you're ready. Matthew 24, verse 36, in what we call the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said this. He said, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no not the angels in heaven, but the Father only. As in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He said, Two should be in the field, one to be taken, one to be left. Two women grinding at the meal, one to be taken, one to be left. Then he said, Be you also ready, for you think not the hour the Son of Man comes. Hey, wait a minute. Let me stop, pause, and tell you that's not the rapture, that's the second coming after the seven years of tribulation. But let me draw your attention to Luke chapter 21, speaking of the second coming of our Lord, speaking of his prediction. Listen to the words of our Lord. Luke wrote and said in chapter 21, verse 24 following, he said, they shall fall by the edge of the sword and be taken captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trotted down by the Gentiles until, watch this, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, that means when the Gentiles Ruling over Jerusalem, namely the Temple Mount, as we're seeing even today. He said there should be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. And listen, distress of nations. I looked that word up again just today. You know what that word distress is? Anxiety. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Distress of nations. Perplexity. And the word perplexity is a word that says... I can hardly breathe. Does that sound familiar? Jesus said there'd be distresses of nation. There'd be perplexities. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. And the word failing them for fear means literally uh, they're bent over, uh, they're a pressure. And I'll tell you, I don't have to tell you, today we're facing a lot of pressure. And then Jesus said, then shall the Son of Man Come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Oh, praise the Lord. Then he said, all these things shall come to pass. Look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh. That's Luke 21, verse 28. Why do I believe? Because of the archaeological discoveries. Why do I believe? Because of the prophetic accuracies. Why do I believe? Thirdly, because of the credible witnesses. Let's call Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John to the stand. Hey, all of them died martyrs' death. Every single disciple saved John, who was thrown in a pot of caldron boiling oil, only to escape it and be eventually exiled to the Isle of Patmos, whereby he penned the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the book called Apocalypsis. Matthew, was it worth it? Matthew, tax collector. I got to thinking in my mind, Matthew, you had a lot of money. Man, why'd you you follow Jesus? I can hear Matthew said, I heard him say, Come and follow me. Take up your cross daily. He that loves his life shall lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. And Matthew, was it worth it? Yes. Willing to die for his faith in God. Why? I believe. Mark, come on, Mark, tell us. Mark, who's the secretary of Peter, Mark's mom, evidently, according to Bible scholars, was a church going woman, would say today, a prayer warrior. Mark, I can hear him say, yeah, I even went on a mission trip. But my heart wasn't in it. I bombed out on it. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Mark, tell us the end of the story. Well, I'll tell you this, says Mark. "Uh, Paul, I got a change of heart. That's why I'm saying rejoice and repent. This Resurrection Sunday, it's not too late. God is willing and ready and able to forgive us. Hallelujah. And to restore us back in fellowship with him. We can see that. Concerning Mark, as Paul, uh, the old man in prison, waiting for his head to be severed from his body, says to uh, Timothy, bring John Mark. He's profitable for the ministry. Hallelujah. Well, what about it, Luke? Luke would say, as I've already alluded to, Luke would say, if you read my 24th chapter in my book, you'd find out there were two men on the road to Emmaus. They were walking and talking. They were gloomy and doomy. Hey, anybody gloomy and doomy? I would be too if I didn't believe in the resurrection. These two on the road to Emmaus had not heard about Jesus rising from the dead. And Jesus shows up, he shows out, and said, oh, you fools, slow of heart, why didn't you believe all the prophets have written? And you see, their eyes, their blind eyes had to be opened to see that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Their dull hearts had to be quickened to believe that the Bible was the Word of God, and their empty lies had to be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God to be empowered to fulfill God's will for our life. I love the passage that Jesus said, he began at Moses and the prophets. I can hear our Lord say now, over there in Genesis, I'm the seed of the woman. But in Exodus, I'm the Passover lamb. Leviticus, I'm the atoning sacrifice. Numbers, I'm the smitten rock. Deuteronomy, I'm the faithful prophet. Joshua, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. Judges, I'm the divine deliverer. Ruth, I'm the kinsman redeemer. First Samuel, I'm the anointed one. Second Samuel, I'm the son of David. First and second Kings, I'm the coming king. First and second Chronicles, I'm the builder of the temple. Ezra, I'm the restorer of the temple. Nehemiah, I'm the rebuilder of the broken down walls in our life. Esther, I'm the preserver of nations. Job, I'm the living redeemer. Psalm, I'm the praise of Israel. Proverbs, I'm the wisdom of God. Ecclesiastes, I'm the great teacher. Song of Solomon, I'm the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Isaiah, I'm the suffering servant. Jeremiah, maker of the new covenant. Lamentations, a man of sorrows. Ezekiel, the glory of God. Daniel, the coming Messiah, Hosea, the lover of the unfaithful, Joel, the hope of Israel, Amos, the husbandman, Obadiah, the Savior, Jonah, the resurrected one, Micah, the ruler of Israel, Nahum, the avenger, Habakkuk, the holy God, Zephaniah, I'm the king of righteousness, and Zechariah, I'm the righteous branch, and in Malachi, I'm the son of righteousness that rises with healing in his wings. I want to tell you something why I believe. I'll tell you why I believe. Oh, yes. A man came to church uh, just a few years ago, 84 years old, retired from the United States Marines as a drill instructor. I'll never forget it. My dear friend Jimmy Dricos, Jimmy came that one Sunday as he was leaving. He met me at the door. He held his hand out and said to me, 84-year-old man, he said, you really believe what you're preaching? I said, yes, sir, I do. Here's what he said. I'm not there yet. I looked at him and I said, Well, I would to God you'd get there real soon. Time's running out. And then he looked at me and he said, But if you were selling refrigerators, I'd buy three of them. I knew that he and I would connect from that point on. He asked if he could ride with me. We began to ride and meet every week on Thursday. He asked questions about the Bible. Some I could answer, some I couldn't. But it was obvious he was battling with with guilt of the past and he couldn't come to grips how God's blood would wash away his sin. Finally the breakthrough came. November the 4th he called me on the phone. I'll never forget it. About a year later he said, Brother Randy you're never going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, I was in my bedroom. And this is the way he described it. I was looking at my wall and all of a sudden he said it hit me, and I fell on my face before the wall. God was speaking to me, and I said, I surrendered to Jesus as my Lord and Savior." And brother, there was a change in his life. He put a cross by the way, my brother showed me a picture of the cross that's in his yard as well. Hallelujah. Jimmy began to witness and, and tell people about Jesus, and oh, what a blessing he was. I had the privilege of preaching Brother Jimmy's homegoing service, July the 3rd. 2019, I miss him, but I'm going to see him again. Why well, believe? Number one, do you really believe? And then number two, not only do you believe, but will you receive? Thomas said, I believe, I believe. Yes, I believe after he saw. Listen, I want to, I want to tell you why you not only need to believe, but you need to receive. Why? Why to repent and, res- and rejoice this resurrection Sunday? Number one, because of the new you. Number two, because of the new view. And number three, because of the new to-do. All right? That's what the Lord gave me. Number one, the new you. Think about it for a moment. Listen to me. Y'all listen. We've been talking about the past. Christ crucified, buried, rose from the grave, 1 Corinthians 15. We've been talking about the future, Jesus coming again. And then we now want to talk about the present for a moment. You say, Pastor, that sounds good, all that stuff, but how does that apply to me today? Listen to the words of Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 3. He said that I might know Him, not intellectually, but volitionally. I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and even the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 following. Yes, do you know Him? You say, but how do I know that? Is His resurrection power available for you today? Yes, yes. He comes to live in us now. He comes to give us life and give it more abundantly. Oh, bless his holy name. Listen, is your faith fizzling? Is your love lacking? Is your patience parting? Is your future frightening? Does your attitude need adjusting? Is your worry winning? Oh, yes, I got good news. If your faith is fizzling, somebody put it this way. A fate that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. I hope your faith is real. Faith in God. Oh, yes. Is your love lacking? Let God, the love of God, shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. We know we pass from death to the life because we love the brethren. Is your patience parting? That is, are you finding yourself like me, being impatient in these days, wanting things to hurry up and this and that? Paul said, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and Patience, A. and uh, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits, but fruit, singular notice. And then is your future frightening? Is your worry winning? I had a lady in the church I uh, had the privilege of preaching her home-going service. She came up to me one Sunday. You know who I'm talking about. Those of you that are church, uh, part of the body of Christ, New Rocky Creek, Sister Betty Phillips, she said this to me. She said, Brother Randy, I'm worried. I said, well, why are you worried, Sister Betty? She said i'm worried that i'm not worried (laughs) i said i understand what you mean sometimes we want to worry and there's no need to worry Uh, jesus talked about that in matthew chapter 6 easier said than done tell me are you worried today be careful for nothing, anxious for nothing, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take a little time in a moment. After you finish uh, joining us in worship, take some time, spend it with God. He will impart His peace. One of our men, I'll never forget a few years ago, uh, came up to me. But before I tell you about him, his uh, wife called me the other day. And you know her, Nancy Watson. Nancy told me, said, Brother Randy, pray for me. My brother just passed away just a few minutes ago. He lives up in Dakota. I said, all right, let's pray. Nancy's husband who went to be with the Lord, Fred Watson. How many of you all remember Fred? Fred was a blessing. Man, he was a cool dude. He wore a gangster hat. And you just have to know Fred. He was shorter than me, man, but he was a blessing. Fred, come up to me one Sunday on Senior Adult Appreciation. He said, Brother Randy, had a serious look on his face. Brother Randy, he said, did you know this a few years ago that seniors are the number one carriers of AIDS? I said, Brother Fred, I didn't know that. Then he looked at me and smiled and said, yep, band-aids, roll AIDS, and hearing aids. (laughs) I said, Brother Fred, you got a point there, brother. Hey, look, the resurrection, a new you. I don't know about y'all, but I can tell you after going through this shingles experience, I'm looking forward to having a new body. I can hear somebody saying amen. A new body! First Corinthians 15 Paul says that these bodies sown in weakness are going to be raised in power. These bodies sown a mortal body are going to be raised in an immortal body. These bodies sown in a corruptible body are going to be raised in an incorruptible body. Yes! A new you! Won't that be wonderful? You know what's going to happen? I'll tell you. Not only are we going to have a new you, but we're going to have a new view. A new view, what I mean? I'm getting, hold on now. I've got one more and we're going to be done. But a new view, what's a new view? Think about it. All this has to do with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus whereby we celebrate today reasons to rejoice and repent. This resurrection Sunday, a new you and a new view, what I mean? Paul wrote the next event on God's calendar, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said this. And uh, in the context, those uh, believers were wondering if they'd ever see their loved ones again. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Verse 13 of chapter 4. Concerning them which are asleep. the word asleep there, interesting to note, is the word komeo, where we get our word cemetery. He's not talking about soul sleeping. Rather, he's talking about the body going back to the dust. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them, but you're asleep. You sorrow not even as others who have no hope. For if, hear me now, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do believe it. I said we do believe it. I believe it, Lord. Why, I believe. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, them also will God bring with him. And this we say in you by the word of the Lord. Oh, listen, the Lord will descend from heaven, the new view. Think about it. The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those of us that are alive and remain, be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord, caught up. That's what we get our word rapture, rapio. And that really literally means to snatch by force. Caught up together with the, the other saints, living and to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, comfort, one of these words. I don't know about you, but I've always wanted to fly without a plane. I've always wanted to fly without a Man, I'm, if I'm here and I'm trusting the Lord could come back any moment, are you ready for the Lord to come back? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You know what? We're going to have a new view. Think about it. After the rapture, the judgment seat of Christ will take place. 2 Corinthians 5.10, let every one of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then after the judgment seat of Christ, we will be married to the Lamb. Some suggest and I believe in the context of the seven years going on on earth. And finally, the marriage of the Lamb and the return of the second coming of our Lord Jesus in Revelation chapter 19 and Zechariah chapter 14. And Jesus will come back to earth, the millennial reign, where Christ rules and reigns for 1,000 years. We've not seen that, but oh, it's coming, brother. It's coming, a new view. And then you know what's going to happen? John said in Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, picture, coming down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and I will dwell with them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. All tears. The emphasis there is comfort in heaven. Wait. A new view. A new view. John further says... He tells us that, oh, this is what is our inheritance. You know what? In heaven, there's not going to be any more clocks. I'm watching the clock all the time, especially when preaching. And I'm sure you're watching your watch right now, wondering when when Brother Rand is going to get finished. Hello. I will be in a minute. But in heaven, there's not going to be any clocks. In heaven, there's not going to be any locks. In heaven, there's not going to be any glocks. In heaven, there's not going to be any docks. And in heaven, there's not going to be more H&R blocks. Won't that be wonderful? Heaven, a prepared place for prepared people. One man came up to D.L. Moody and said, Mr. Moody, if I go to heaven, can I chew tobacco? Moody, the great evangelist, said, yeah, but you'll have to go to hell to spit. (laughs) Oh, I'm talking about the city that lies four square, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. Oh, that's going to be glorious. A new view. But wait a minute. I've got to hasten because my time is almost gone. But listen, not only a new view, What about a new to-do? A new to-do? Listen to the last words of John in Revelation 22. John said, he showed me a pure river of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielding of fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. There shall be no more curse there, For the throne of God and the Lamb are in it. His servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. His name shall be upon their forehead. There shall be no more night there, and no need for a candle or the light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and forever. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Surely I come, even so come, Lord Jesus. The word, uh, quickly, is the word tachos, where we get our word tachometer. I would suggest to you the tachometer is revving up. It's later than it's ever been. Oh, right now is the day of salvation for you. Just think about it in heaven. I don't know if Buck is going to be any grass to cut up there in heaven, buck, but I'm going to say, come on, cut mine. Hey, there's going to be a tree of life. I don't know if there's going to be any decoration needed, but Pam and Calvin and everybody else, you can come and decorate if you want to. I don't know if there's going to be uh, any uh, other kinds of things to get fixed, Ralph and Julius, but I'll call you if I do need you. And Katie, I don't know if there's going to be a computer problem up in heaven, but thank God the Bible says we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. A new you, a new view, and a new to-do. Worship the living God. Serve him now. Will you do it? Why believe? Why believe? Do you really believe? Do you really believe? Will you put your faith and trust in God right now? Hey, listen, I want to close right here. It's not how you start in the race. It's how, yep, how you finish. How many of y'all want to finish faithful? I want to finish faithful. How many right now? this glorious resurrection morning, would say, God, help me to finish faithful. There may to be needed some rededications of lives right now. There may need to be somebody who say, Oh, God, I believe you died for me and rose, and I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Will you do what God's telling you to do now? Yes. Why? I believe. I want to pray for you. I prayed for my sweet mom, 22 years. She was a moral, uh, upright person when she was growing up, but not a Christian. She had religion, but not relationship. The Lord burdened me for my dear sweet mom. I prayed for her 22 years. That's a long time. But God didn't give up on me, and he's not going to give up on you. I'll never forget, 22 years later, visiting my mom in the nursing home, her body unable to function because of a stroke. I asked her one more time, I said, Mama, are you ready to meet God? I want to see you in heaven. She said, Yeah, I think I might go there. I said, Mama, what if you're wrong? All of a sudden, conviction fell. And, oh, God moved in. I'll never forget it, October the 21st, 2004, my mom lifted up her hand and cried out to Jesus, tears streaming down her face. Save me from my sins. Two years later, I'd had the privilege of sharing at her homegoing service. Do you really believe? Let's talk to God right now. Maybe you know somebody who's not saved, not a Christian. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Would you rededicate your life? Would you uh, remove idols? Would you remove any obstacles or any hindrances that are keeping you? from running the race, keeping the faith. Father, thank you for your supernatural power. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for reaching way down and pulling me up out from under the trash can and forgiving my sins. I thank you, Jesus. I do believe. And I pray for those listening right now, daddies and mamas and young people and teenagers and grandparents and people asking questions, oh God, that we would believe because you are God and there's none else besides you. Thank you for what you're doing right now. We give you glory. Hearts being changed. Rededications. And we thank you and look forward to seeing you one day. I do believe in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Call us, write us, send a message, let us know what God is doing in your life. And God bless you this Resurrection Sunday.